to all the moms. Moms of children who are still at home or all grown up. Moms who've outlived a son or daughter. Or moms of babies they never got to hold. Moms who've raised kids all on their own or became a mom to someone who needed one. Moms of children who have wandered from God or the longing to be moms who are still waiting. God perfectly arranged each of you into the role you have today. His word recognizes you as capable, strong, and praiseworthy. Everything you do makes our lives more beautiful. Happy Mother's Day. Well, good morning, and let me say to all of our moms, happy Mother's Day. And if you're a mom, would you just stand right now, if you would, please? Won't you stand up? Let's give them a big hand. Thank you, moms. Would not know what to do without you. And uh, mine's home in, uh, in heaven, and uh, one of these days I get to spend eternity with her. So uh, thank the Lord for that. This morning, I certainly want to welcome those of you here today and those of you that are watching online this morning. And if you did miss the last two Sundays, let me just tell you, Drew and Nate did an awesome, fantastic job preaching through the book of Jude. I tell you, if you missed it, go back, listen to it, get online. They did an incredible job, and I'm so proud that, uh, to have those guys here to preach the Word of God when I have to be gone. This morning, though, I want you to take your Bibles and turn to the book of Colossians. In Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 14 this morning, we're actually going to be in the book of Colossians over the next probably seven weeks and uh, as we continue in our series, as we talk about above and beyond, one of the reasons why that I felt led to do that series is because I wanted to help you and I grow to become all that God wants us to be. And uh, to live above and beyond, not get it so tied down to this earth and all the things that are in it. And, uh, and I will tell you, as we look at our world today, as you read the paper and listen to the radio and watch television... Uh, and you see that this world is in uh, probably just more of a turmoil than it's been in a long time. And, uh, and I really and truly believe that's where we need to focus, and that's on the promises of the Word of God. Today, we're really going to look at the church, the body of Christ, as we look at this. As you read through the Word of God, you will discover that there are two comparison books in the Bible. One is the book of Ephesians. And when you read the book of Ephesians, it's really talking about the church being the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. When you come to the book of Colossians, though, this wonderful, incredible book was written to talk about Christ being the head of the church, the body of Christ. One of the most amazing things, though, to me about this book is that Paul writes this letter to the church at Colossae, and he had never met them. He had never been in their presence. He had never been there at all. But he is so moved by what he has heard about what God is doing there that he sits down and he begins to regularly pray over these people. And he writes to them, I think, one of the most incredible letters that you will find. I'll also tell you, as I begin to read this chapter, I begin to ask myself a question. A lot of it deals with, I just came back from the North American Mission Board where the trustees met. And as we looked at planting churches and making disciples and doing those things, I found myself alone one afternoon outside just kind of walking over the compound at North American Mission Board, and it's a beautiful campus out there by myself. And it's like God began to speak to my heart and said, what matters the most? 
And I want you to stop and ponder that question for a moment. What matters the most? What is most important to you? What's important to you on the journey that God has placed you on? What is the most important thing about your life? Because all of us, we sit down and we have plans, whether we're young and think one day we're going to get married and we're going to go to college and one day we're going to have kids and then all of a sudden you think about where you're going to work and one day you get thinking and planning about retirement and all of these things. And, and yet what is amazing is when life finally comes to its end, all of that's wood hand stubble. You can't take it with you. And so the question that I really want you to ponder as we look at this prayer that Paul is writing to the church at Colossae is what really matters most in your life. I want you to look at verse 9. He says, and so from the day we heard. Now that little phrase is reflecting on what he had said in verse 4. Look at it. He says, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, we have not ceased to pray for you. And then in verse 9 he says, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Now, this is not a Mother's Day message, but I will tell you as a mom, if you nail this down about truly understanding the knowledge <laughs> and the will of God in your life, you'll be the most incredible mom or wife that the world has ever seen. And so I want you to really stop and think about this. When Paul was writing this, he's not asking and he's not praying that they might be known throughout Asia Minor. He's not praying that they become this great mega church and they have multiple campuses and they have multiple services and they're doing this and going here and doing that. Notice what he's praying for. He's asking that they may be filled with the knowledge of the will of God in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. In other words, what he says is this, that the thing that will make the difference in your life is the will of God. Now, notice how he expands upon this will. He says, I'm praying that you might be filled with the knowledge, and I want you to underline that word, the knowledge of his will. Notice he didn't say, I'm praying that you might be interested in the will of God, that you might try to discover what the will of God is. No, he, he says, I, I want you to be filled. Now, the question, what does that word filled mean? He says, in other words, I'm praying that your life might be the expression of the will of God in your life. In other words, what Paul is actually saying is, is that the, the essentiality of your life, everything about your life, the totality of your life is the will of God. I'm praying that you might be filled with that knowledge, the understanding now, the word knowledge here is an interesting word. When you translate out of the Greek, it actually is speaking about experimental knowledge. I want you to experience this. Now, a lot of you know my wife, Diane, but you don't know her like I know her. I know the ins and the outs, and I know the ups and the downs. I know so much about her as, as well as she knows about me. And this is what he's saying here. He's saying, I'm praying for you that your life literally will be the will of God, that you experience the will of God. Notice, and how he modifies this. He says that you experience that how, boy, catch this, with all spiritual wisdom and knowledge. Not that you're just going to know the will of God, but you're going to experience it. In other words, what he's saying is this, there's no way humanly possible that you're ever going to know the will of God 
unless you are tapped in to the spiritual resources of God. God has always led by two means. First of all, he leads by the word of God. That's why it is so important. That's why we around here talk about so much about you being in the Word of God and abiding in the Word of God and resting in the Word of God and studying the promises of the Word of God. But he also leads us not only by that mean, but he also leads by the means of the power of prayer. That is seeking the face of God. Now, why is that? Listen to me. Because sometimes God is going to lead you to do something that you're not wired for. There are times that God is going to lead you to do something that you wasn't even educated for. Paul is saying, I want you to get beyond what you can personally assess and evaluate. In other words, I want to show you something that only God can teach you, that only God can show you. And then I want you to notice what he does. He then shows us that God's will produces three things within your life. That when you and I give ourselves completely where we are all in, our yes is on the table to the will of God, that my life now becomes the total expression of the will of God. I'm here, I'm yielded to it, I'm not trying to tell God what to do with my life or where to take me, but what, what I want God to do through me, I'm all in, I'm yielded to this. So look at what he says is the first thing that God's gonna produce in your life. He says, when you are filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, what he's talking about here is, first of all, godly character. Look at verse 10. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. Family, listen to me this morning. When you submit to the will of God within your life, and as I said, you are all in and you have surrendered to it, you're gonna discover, first of all, that God's will is the word of God. And listen to me, listen to me. And, and, and that word is so powerful because as you begin to obey the word of God, it is the external leading of the spirit of God that now begins to flow through your life. That's why you've heard me say a multiplicity of times from this pulpit that the spirit of God will never lead you to do something that's outside of the word of God, ever. You wouldn't believe in 52 years of ministry how many times people have come to me and said, oh, well, I believe that God is telling me to do this and this and this and go here and do this. And I go, well, isn't that funny? Why does that contradict the word of God? God will never, ever lead you to do something that contradicts this book. So connecting the dots, the Word of God will produce character change within your life so that when you are yielded to the will of God, and, and I'm amazed sometimes. People will often say, well, I am, I am, I'm in the will of God, but I'm not obeying this book. Then you're not in the will of God. Did you hear what I said? If you say that you are yielding yourself to the will of God, but you are not obeying the word of God, there's no other way to put it, but you're not telling the truth. So this produces godly character. It produces change. And it largely has to do, listen to me, with his wisdom being applied to your life. You can have all of the knowledge there is, but if it is not applied to your life, all in the world it is is content. That's it. 
So once again, what Paul is doing, he's praying that you and I walk in a manner, notice this, that is worthy of the Lord. Now look at that word worthy. I want you to underline because it means equal weight. In other words, when you and I are living our lives and we're yielding ourselves to the will of God, then I'm allowing God to express all that he has in store in and through my life during my moment in history, during this moment in time. And what he's saying is, is that my daily life, think about this, it literally carries the weight of God. You're not here by accident. God didn't save you simply to come and join a church and set soak and sour. God saved you to be something for the kingdom. God saved you to use your life so that your daily life, everywhere you go, every conversation that you have, every place that you are, it is literally carrying the very weight of God. Now think about this. In order to do that, he says, you gotta have his resources. You see, there is this supernatural resource that literally ought to and should typify your life when you're walking in the will of God, which means that, that when, listen, if we're not experiencing his resources, it's because we're not yielded to his way. I'm amazed so many times people go, well, I, 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 I'm trying to do this, I'm trying to do that, I'm trying to live for God, and yet I don't experience his resource. Well, listen to me, the manifest presence of God is always those who are doing the will of God. Why? Because his will, hear me, is always about his statement as it is personalized through your life during your moment in history right now. Do you believe that God has a moment in time in history that you are to come to this earth and play a part in the kingdom of God? Not just go do your job, not just raise your kids, not just be a mom, not just be a dad, but there's a purpose in your being here. And it's not simply to take up oxygen in space. It is literally to know and to do the will of God. So you have his resources, but also you have his nature. And God's nature is literally expressed in and through your life. It's not just his resources. Listen to me. It's not just what he has, but it's who he is. So that your life and my life, listen, is to both reflect his holiness as well as his power. So on the way to do something, don't miss this, on the way to doing something, you're also becoming something. See, that's where the life change comes in. It's not just out here doing your job or going to school or getting an education or making a life. All of that is important. All of that is significant, but the, the, the will of God doesn't stop there. It's that in that process, you're also becoming something. The will of God is not just about us becoming more effective in what you and I have been wired to do. But rather, the will of God is this. You cannot separate his effectiveness, listen, through your life and the character of God that he wants to develop in and through your life. You can't do it. And yet, that's the way most of us try to live life. We want to manipulate it. We want to change it. You will never, ever accomplish more than who you are. And that's who you are in Christ. It is who you are that gives weight and integrity to what you do. I'll be honest with you, as a child of God, you should never have an issue with your worth and value. 
You shouldn't have a low self-esteem. And the reason why is because your value and worth is tied up in your walk in relationship with Christ. It's who you are in Jesus. That's the weight. That gives weight to your life. It gives weight to your testimony. Again, you're never going to accomplish any more than who you are. That's the integrity. So that when you and I are focusing on the will of God, you set yourself up for this unbelievable transformation because God literally wants to make out of you what he wants you to be. So let me ask you this question. So what happens when your life is the expression of the will of God? Paul says that there is this emergence of this godly character, but secondly, there is this supernatural resilience. Paul reminds us that, you know what, God says it is inevitable that there's going to be tough and hard times. When you become a Christian, don't think it's this wonderful, smooth, easy life. There's never pain. There's never sorrow. There's never grief. There's never any hard, difficult times that you're going to go through. That's not the case. But I will tell you, God says there's certain supernatural defiance about people who are committed to the will of God. Look at verse 11. He says, may you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience and joy. It's like Paul says, listen, I I know things are happening in your life. Things are going well for you at the church at Colossae. But brothers, you need to buckle up because he is presupposing there's going to be hard and difficult times. Can I just tell you, according to the promise of the word of God before Jesus returns, it's going to get worse before it gets better. So how do we as Christians get through that? I mean, we can talk about the economy. We can talk about all that's happening in the world today and Ukraine and all this kind of stuff. And we see our world today, it's just, man, it's just teeter-tottering back and forth. And you see all this stuff going on. And, and I got news for you. It's going to get worse before it gets better. That's when Jesus comes and takes the bride home in what we call the rapture. But as long as we're down here on this earth, how do we get through this? What Paul is saying to the Colossian church is this, that God will bring the presence and the person of God into your circumstances and give you that supernatural resilience to be able to keep moving forward for the prize of the high calling, which is in Christ Jesus. In other words, we have what we need to overcome whatever it is that may be thrown at us. But he also says it produces that endurance. Where do you draw your strength from? Well, it ain't the world. I got news for you. It's from the Word of God, the promises of God, the presence of God within your life. And I, and I know, I've been there and I've said these very same words, but God, it's hard. Yes, I know. It hurts. I know. But I'm still with you. I'm not forsaken you. I'm not going to abandon you. I'm not going to leave you to yourself. So what happens when you and I are truly filled with the will of God. You have to make a decision. You have to make a choice. And that choice is this, is God, I'm not going to waste another day. I'm going to quit playing church. I'm going to quit just going through the motions. I'm going to quit putting the mask on and trying to pretend that I'm something that I'm really not. No, I am all in with you. So he says you have godly character, you have this supernatural resilience, and then last of all, you have eternal gratitude. I'll be honest with you, when I was reading this, I kind of thought to myself at the first, when, in look at verses 12 through 14, why didn't you talk about our salvation? Well, I think it's obvious, and the reason why is because the ultimate expression of God's will is God's plan of salvation for your life, that you're saved, that you're born again. So get this, the ultimate expression of God's will for your life, and this is where all human history is moving toward. This is where everything anchors itself, 
It's in your relationship with Christ. Why? Because Paul says when you look at your life and you can lose everything else, you can lose your home, you can lose your bank account, you can lose the things that we would consider to be wood, hay, and stubble, you can lose all of that. But what can never be taken away from you is this incredible relationship that you have with Jesus Christ through his death, burial, and resurrection is called salvation. And the more that you and I walk in the will of God, the more you exalt him and worship him, this is what you're eternally grateful for. Listen to what he says in verse 12. He says, you've got an inheritance. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Now listen to this. Do you and I today really know what we have since we have him? Do you really know what you have since you have him, meaning Jesus? When you are filled with this knowledge of his will, then you begin to focus on what is most important, and that is Jesus. And in this relationship, though, you have an inheritance. You know what this reminds us of? It is forever. It cannot be shaken. That when you are saved and born of the Spirit of God, you are now qualified for this incredible inheritance. One day you and I are going to sit at the table with him. We're going to be with him forever in heaven. And no one can take that salvation away from you. And by the way, there's another great part of that side. When you got saved and that veil was torn in two in the Holy of Holies, you have access to the Father. Listen to me. You do not have to come to me to get me to pray for you. Now, I'll pray for you, but you don't have to come to me to get access to the Father. You have it as a child of God. Amen? It's available to you. You have the living Word of God right now. You have an eternal inheritance right now. But then he also says you need to be thankful not only for that inheritance, but for your deliverance. Look in verse 13. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. I was sitting out there under a portico at Nam and just had my Bible open and kind of looking back over this message. As the Spirit of God just began to speak to my heart, and this is what I wrote in my Bible. Rick, don't look at what you have. Because so many times what we do is, excuse me, look at what you have, not what you don't have. What do you have in me? You have a relationship. You have an inheritance. You've been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. So many times we get so caught up in the things of this world and things that are happening in our life that we forget what we have in Christ. And he was saying, Rick, look at what you have, not what you don't have. Look at that inheritance. Look at that deliverance. Because he says, you and I have been delivered and set free, listen, from a debilitating restraint of darkness. That you've been liberated by a Savior, and his name is Jesus. And that's what he's done. But look at verse 14. He also says, we have redemption. Listen to what he says. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of of sins. When's the last time that you sat down and really begin to think and contemplate? <laughs> All of my sins have been covered in the blood of the Lamb of God. 
There's something about when you and I think about that and ponder that and we begin to truly get into the will of God that we become so sensitized, it becomes so sensitive to the loving kindness of God that He bestowed upon you through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you and I begin to experience this personally, let me tell you what happens. Pride gets shoved over here. It gets shoved to the side because it's not about us. Because what really begins to matter is all that matters, and that is Jesus. There are two questions that I want to leave with you this morning that I want you to really think about. And I want you to be honest with yourself. How important is the will of God for your life? How important is the will of God for your life? Now, if you'll notice, I didn't ask the question, how important should the will of God be? It's, it's the hard question. How important is the will of God for you? We live in a world and a time and an age today that it's very easy for us to begin to think that somehow we determine our own effectiveness. And so I want to ask the question, do you think that you determine your effectiveness? Do you think that you determine your significance? Do you think that you determine your eternal value? How important is the will of God to you? And the second question is, are you doing what he wants you to do? Now, here's the toughie. There are times that you and I, we go off to college, we get a career, we begin to think about all these things, and we, we, we all of us, I don't care who we are, we have plans and dreams. Well, I'm going to do this in life, and I want to do this in life, I want to write, or I want to sing, or I want to play an instrument, or I want to have this career, I want to go here, and I want to someday achieve this in my life. Listen to me. Listen to me. Please listen to me. What if that's not God's plan for your life? And if so, are you okay with it? What if all of a sudden you're in the midst of your career and things are going great, and what if God comes going, hey, son, I want you to walk away from all of this, and I want you to go do this. Are you okay with that? Are you okay to be able to rest in knowing, God, this is your will? I may not understand it. I may not like it. I may, not, I, I, I may be scared to death. Think, think, think about how many men in the Old Testament. Abraham, leave, leave it all, son. Where are we going? I'll tell you when you get there. Really? Are you okay with that? Here's something I want to challenge you to do. Stop writing your plans with ink. Okay? Write it with a big number two pencil with a great big eraser. Because God may have something in store for you that is beyond your comprehension beyond your talent, beyond even your own capabilities because God's trying to get you to a place where you will totally trust in Him. So here's something I want, you, I want to leave with you. It's, it's not on the outline. It's not up on the screen, uh, but I want you to write it down. So I'm going to say it to you very slowly because this is really what this text, if I were to summarize it, this is what it's all about. The greatest use of your life is to spend it for something that outlasts it.
Let me say that to you again. The greatest use of your life is to spend it for something that outlasts it. What really matters most? One of these days, unless the rapture comes and takes us home that way, if that doesn't take place, then we're probably going to die. When it's all said and done, no matter what you've achieved, no matter what accolades, when I take my last breath, the fact that I got to pastor, I believe, one of the greatest churches in America, that I've had an incredible life, married to the love of my life, seven incredible grandkids, two that are in heaven, which makes us nine. Great kids, great daughter-in-law, son-in-law, all these wonderful things. But when I take my last breath, I just wood, hay, and stubble. I, I can't take the house, the land, my family that knows Christ, yes, boy, they're going to be in heaven with us. But the question is, how am I spending what God's given me right now? Am I spending, am I using the life that God has given to me that will outlast me when I'm gone? And the only thing that outlasts me that will live forever is the work of the kingdom of God. So I ask you, the greatest use of your life is to spend it for something that will outlast it. Can that be said of you and me? It is when we know and walk in the will of God. Would you stand? Father, I come to you this morning, and Father, I pray that you would take this incredible prayer that Paul is praying and just let it resonate in our heart. Father, let it move upon us. For those that may be watching today or those that are here in this room or in the overflow, that Father, today, if they do not know Christ as Lord and Savior, that today they would run to you. To experience the greatest blessings of all, it is to be cleansed and made whole and to know that our sins are forgiven, that we no longer have to live in guilt, that we no longer have to experience this debilitating darkness, but we can live in the victory of Christ, our Lord. Lord, for those you're calling to be a part of this church family, to say, you know what? I don't want to just join a church. Been there and done that. I want to come bring my life and give some talents right here and I want to deposit them here because I want my life to count for something for when I'm gone. I want to invest it in the things of God. In His kingdom. So Father, I ask you today, stir within us. Move within us. Move us to surrender, to yield. That we would pray that prayer, oh Father, fill me with the knowledge the understanding of your will that I might walk worthy 
So speak to our hearts today, and I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.